0: Hello everyone, this is Jim Lucy, Editor-in-Chief for Electrical Wholesale and Electrical Marketing, with the June 7th edition of the Today's the Electrical Economy Podcast sponsored by Champion Fiberglass. The company began producing epoxy fiberglass conduit and fittings in 1988, and in 1989 developed the first conduit from epoxy resins that had flame resistance and low smoke characteristics. This met the most stringent codes and specifications. In today's broadcast, Listeners will learn about some of the largest projects that top 150 distributors have been working on and also take a look at some of the progress in the residential construction market and some of the metros that have a commanding share of what's been going on in that area. As always, we'll review some key weekly economic indicators that will give you a sense of where the electrical economy may be headed in the coming weeks. Those are initial unemployment claims at the state level, rate freight, freight car traffic, the break a huge rig count, oil prices, and copper prices. Our thanks again to Champion Fiberglass for once again sponsoring the Today's Electrical Economy series of podcasts for 2021. We're delighted to be working with Champion. Let's first look at unemployment claims at the state level. The weekly unemployment data from the U.S. Department of Labor and the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics highlights the states with the most unemployment claims. It's valuable to electrical distributors, manufacturers, and reps because it provides some insight into the unemployment situation at the local level. For the week ending May 29th, the advanced figure for seasonally adjusted in cl- initial claims was $385,000. That's a decrease of $20,000 from the previous week's revised level. This is the lowest level for initial claims since March 14, 2020 when it was $256,000. The advanced seasonally adjusted inch- the unemployment rate was 2.7% for the week ending May 22nd. That's an increase of 0.1% from the previous week's unrevised rate. The 10 states that had the biggest decrease in their initial unemployment claims for the week ending May 29th were Texas with a decline of 2,965 claims, Florida with a decline of 2,591 claims, Oregon with a decline of 2,288 claims, Alabama with a decline of 1,725 claims. State of Washington with a decrease of 1,588 claims. West Virginia with a decline of 1,482 claims. New Jersey with a decline of 1,234 claims. Wisconsin with a decline of 1,091 claims. Arizona with a decline of 841 claims. And the state of North Carolina with a decline of 802 claims. Now let's look at those states that had some large increases in their unemployment claims. Those were Pennsylvania with an increase of 7,036 claims. Illinois with an increase of 3,893 claims. California with an increase of 3,570 claims. Kentucky number in the fourth position with 3,391 claims. Missouri at number five with 2,344 claims. State of Virginia in number six, 2,128 claims. State of Michigan, number seven, at 1,593 claims. New Mexico, with 1,259 claims. State of Nevada, with 1,140 claims. And Oklahoma, with 1,004 claims. One of the more interesting leading economic indicators for the overall US economy is freight rail traffic. It's a measure of the amount of raw materials and finished goods being shipped by rail. The best source for this data is the American Association of Railroads, which publishes this data weekly. Total U.S. weekly rail traffic was 530,225 carloads and intermodal units, that's up 34% compared with the same week last year. AAR Senior Vice President John Gray said in the press release interpreting this data, U.S. rail volumes in May 2021 were encouraging. Total carloads were the most for any month since October 2019 on a weekly average basis. In May, 18 of the 20 carload categories we track had carload gains over May 2020, while 12 of the 20 had gains over May 2019. Meanwhile, intermodal units just had the, the best January to May period ever for U.S. railroads. Rail hope to build on these games in the months ahead as they help the economy return to strong and sustainable growth. Let's take a look at some of those rail freight categories that had the biggest increases over the pa- year-to-date growth versus 2020. Leading the pack were motor vehicles and parts with an increase of 30.4%. We had grain at 23%. Total intermodal units up 19%. Other categories that had some sizable increases were metal, metallic ores and metals at 17.5% and total traffic up 13.6%. The only two categories in in this week's data were that showed declines was petroleum and petroleum products down 6% and non-metallic minerals down 5.9%. If you track the oil market, you're probably familiar with the Baker Hughes recount which tracks the oil and gas rigs that are operating. The data is available each week on the state Basin and National Basis at www.rigcount.bakerhughes.com. This slide gives you an idea of the largest oil and gas deposits. It really gives you a good sense of just how many of these large oil plays are in Texas and Oklahoma and how big an area the Marcellus Gas Region covers in Pennsylvania, Ohio, and in parts of West Virginia. The most recent data for the Baker Hughes rig count showed a count of 456 for the week ending June the 4th. That's down one from the previous week, but up 172 rigs from last year. When you take a look at this slide, you can see how closely tied those large basins are to the overall rig count. The Permian and Eagle Ford basins in Texas and the Williston Basin in North Dakota account for more than 70% of drilling activity. As you can see in the slide, they move in tandem with the direction of the national data. Oil prices are on the move. On the morning of June the 6th, they stood at just over $69 a barrel. They've been over that $60 mark for a good chunk of the 2021. And while we all remember the incredible drop in prices last spring at the height of the pandemic, the reality is that over the last two years, they've been relatively stable and spent much of their time in the $40 to $60 barrel range. When you look back a few more years, you will see that since 2016, that $40 to $60 per barrel range is pretty much the norm. Economists like to call copper pricing Dr. Copper because it's the leading indicator for future economic activity. Copper is used in so many industries with the construction industry among the leading markets because of its use in wire and cable and copper plumbing pipe. Copper remains over the $4.50 per pound mark. It's down a bit from last month when it hit a record of $4.76. Economists are forecasting increases in demand for copper both in the short term as the economy heats up, and in the long term because of the expected surge in demand for applications in the electrical vehicle and electric grid hardening and expansion. They're also expecting price to continue for the increase for the foreseeable future. Now let's take a look at some of the mega projects that some of our top 150 electrical distributors have been working on. While the overall construction market is tracking along at slow growth so far in 2021, there seems to be quite a few trophy jobs out there. Let's take a look at some of them. In Austin, Texas, for example, You've got a market that's been blessed with all sorts of growth in the single-family, multi-family, and downtown commercial construction uh, segments. But it's, and it is, by most measures, one of the fastest-growing metros in the entire United States. Lone Star Electric Supply is supplying the new Texas Gigafactory there, as well as the Apple Office Complex now underway. That complex is a 133-acre complex that will initially house 5,000 employees. We also quite a few had a number of electrical distributors on our top 150 listing, working with Amazon fulfillment centers or distribution centers. Those companies that mentioned they're working with Amazon include CBT, Horizon Solutions, Independent Electric Supply in New England, and Kirby Risk. Another area we had several distributors mention was offshore wind farms and Turtle & Hughes and Dokello, as well as WECS Renewables, all mentioned that the offshore market for wind turbines will be a big market for them. In St. Louis, we've got one of the largest office complexes underway anywhere. It's the, the billion dollar NGA complex that's being built by the government. That's for the National Geospatial Agency and Villa leiden has got a piece of that. Across the state in Kansas City, KCR Airport is a big project, also ranked at over a billion dollars and Stanley Wholesale Electric's working on that. In Las Vegas, we've got the sphere being built by MSC Entertainment, NEDCO Supply is working on that. And in Boston, we've got the extension of the Green Line Tur- Turtle uses is also working on that one. Let's finish up today's broadcast by taking a look at another big growth opportunity in the construction market, home building. The single family and multifamily markets have been doing quite well on a national basis, but as always, some local markets dominate. Let's take a look, take a look at some of the interesting characteristics from some of the larger growth markets. One of the things that's always fascinating about the residential market is just how consolidated many of the major markets are when you compare a single Metro to the overall state activity. No state illustrates that better than Arizona, where Phoenix accounts for 75% of all the building permit activity so far this year. Throw in Tucson with another 11%, and you have those two market areas accounting for 86% of all the single family building permits. On a slightly less consolidated but still notable basis is the state of Colorado where Denver, Colorado Springs, Fort Collins, Pueblo, and Boulder, which are all, all along the uh, Front Range, account for about, over 70% of all the building permits in that area. You also have, if you take, want to take a look at Georgia, Atlanta, Atlanta's Metro, 63% of all building permits pulled in, in that large metro area. In Nevada, Las Vegas at 73% of all single-family building permits. Throw in uh, Reno on top of that, you've got 91% of all building permits in that state in just those two metro areas. Uh, Texas is definitely more decentralized as far as the building activity, but when you take a look at Houston with 30%, Dallas with 29% of permits, Austin with 15% of all the permits, and San Antonio, you have a very large chunk of all building activity in, in Texas in just four markets. Also, this is the same trend that extends to Utah along what's called the Wasatch Range where Communities like in Salt Lake City, Ogden, and Provo account for a very large portion of all the building permit activity there. That wraps up things for today's podcast, and a special thanks to the folks from Champion Fireglass for again sponsoring the Today's Electrical Podcast Series for 2021. Please contact me if there's any other type of economic data you'd like us to cover in these podcasts, or if you have any questions on any of the data that we covered today. Our next presentation will be on Monday, June 21st. Thanks again for listening. Please stay healthy, be happy, and we'll talk with you again soon.